Welcome to the Juice Box Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Benner. And you're listening to the second installment of my series with CDE Jenny Smith. This episode titled All About MDI is just that. It's a conversation about multiple daily injections. Please remember that nothing you hear on the Juice Box Podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making changes to your medical plan or becoming bold with insulin. How frequently does someone leave a diagnosis with an insulin pump? I would say never. Jenny Smith has lived with type 1 diabetes since she was a child. She holds a bachelor's degree in human nutrition and biology from the University of Wisconsin. She's also a registered and licensed dietitian, a certified diabetes educator, and a certified trainer on most makes and models of insulin pumps and continuous glucose models and continuous glucose monitors. And besides that, I just really like the way she talks about type 1. Jenny Smith is a CDE, but she's also a consultant at Integrated Diabetes, where she helps people who are struggling to figure out their type 1. You can find out more about what she does at integrateddiabetes.com. Part of the reason for that not leaving a hospitalization or a doctor's office with a pump is because of all of the red tape that you have to sort of go through for ordering and, you know, that kind of stuff. I I would say the rare case, this is probably 10% of the time, maybe even less. Somebody's pretty quick to get the order written by their prescriber. And uh, in fact, I worked with somebody maybe a month ago that her little boy, um, was diagnosed and had a pump within about six weeks. Okay. But that's, pr- that's pretty quick. Um, it, it's not typically that fast. Most people are going to get diagnosed with type 1 diabetes and leave with either pens or syringes. Or syringes, right. yes. And so whether you are a person who thinks right away I have to have a pump and you hammer through insurance and get it six weeks later, or if you're a person who gets told – we don't give pumps to people until you've had diabetes for six months or any of those arbitrary times that doctors throw out one right. year. Or until you're in perfect control, yes. then you can have a yeah. pump. As soon right? as you know how to do this so well that you'll never want a pump, we'd be happy to give you one, um, right. which will never come. Uh, and so so people are going to need to know what managing with just MDI looks like. So yeah. multiple daily injections. These people are going to get some sort of a fast-acting insulin that they can use at mealtimes and to try to adjust highs, and they're going to get a slow-acting insulin that's going to be their basal insulin. Right. So let's start slow with the basal insulin. There's a lot of them on the market at this point. Back when Arden did MDI, we were using Levomir, and we found that we had to split it, half a dose every 12 hours. How, how much of that is really good advice about slow-acting basal insulin? Specifically, that what you found with the Levomir as a specific brand or type mm-hmm. is very common. Okay. While um, while the you know the makers of Levomir will say that it is a twenty four hour acting insulin, um, what we find, especially with the smaller doses, is that dosing twice a day or two injections of it works much more optimally because it doesn't carry a full 24 hours. That, is, that was absolutely my finding. I think a lot of people find that. So that's the first thing mm-hmm. to understand. If you say to yourself, 
every day at a certain time, my blood sugar goes up and I can't understand why. I bet you it's about 18 to 20 hours after you've injected your yes. slow acting insulin. Yes. And so the important thing to remember when you, if, when you make the decision to split your basal insulin is that it might not be a 50-50 split. So Correct. say you have a, you're a five units or a one unit, it doesn't matter. It doesn't mean you're going to put in a half a unit and then a half unit again 12 hours later. It might end up being three quarters of a unit or one and then a half later. There's your, because your body has different needs at different times. Correct. Right. And that kind of goes into understanding the needs of the different age groups. Mm -hmm. Kids and teens tend to have a much more profound um, increase insulin need in the overnight, like literally like as soon as their head hits the pillow kind of thing and through and into the overnight. So splitting doses for, you know, multiple daily injections with the basal insulin, you may have a heavier dose in the evening. Mm -hmm. Than you do with that morning time. The the heavy dose in the evening carries you through the increase in need overnight as well as the morning, which is a little bit higher resistance as well. Yeah. Um, and then your dose in the morning kind of carries you through the day when you're more active. Right. And you likely will need a lower basal amount. And so all we've really said here, and I, I, I repeat this a lot to people, is that setting up your slow acting basal insulin when you're on MDI is about amount and timing. Right. Yes. We're going to say this in the next episode, but so make sure you get to that next episode. But you have to balance the impact of the insulin against the action of carbs or body function. Right. So right. it's just it's about a tug of war between those things. Then that I'll, again, I'll talk about a little later. And okay. that's where watching, you know, glucose values, especially if you are privy to getting a CGM early on, mm -hmm. which I do encourage over, I've, I've said it a million times to people that I work with. If I had, if I had to decide on a technology piece between CGM and a pump, if somebody was going to take one away, I would a hundred percent keep my CGM. Right. A hundred percent. Take my pump. I'll figure out my multiple daily injections. As long as I've got the data and the trend of what's happening, I can figure it out. Yeah. If you were going to, I, I would a hundred percent agree with you. If you're going to say that one thing's more important than the other, which I think is a bit of a, you know, yeah, yeah you're right. I, 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 I'm not looking to give one of them away. But no, what, neither am I, what, by you, any means. <laughs> when, you, when you lose your pump or when you're using MDI, what, what that means is that if you want that kind of like tighter control, I guess, you're going to be injecting more. If that doesn't yes. bother you, then right on. You, you know, like Correct. that's absolutely fine. Um, you also That's actually what my, my friend Ginger does. Mm -hmm. uh, Ginger Vieira, who I wrote the book with, yeah. the pregnancy book with, she, you know, she long-term has been multiple daily injections. She uses a CGM. She is not scared to give 12, 16, 20 micro dosing adjustments through the course of the day right. to keep things tightly managed. Yep. And so, and I think, so I always say the same thing. Here's what you gain with a pump. You don't have to inject all the time and you now have the ability to manipulate your basal insulin. Yes. Uh, but other than that, there's no more difference. precisely, right, right? You can manipulate basal with injected basal. Mm -hmm. We don't, we don't recommend it like it's, we would on a pump. It's difficult to it's, accomplish. It's difficult. It's difficult right. to manipulate, mm -hmm. but you can, right. um, easier precision to do that on a pump. Yeah. So. The first time I thought about getting Arden a pump and I didn't know anything about them. And I went to a pump class at, at our children's hospital. You know, even back then I didn't realize that, that my basal insulin would just be 
fast-acting insulin given by the pump, but in smaller doses, like, like spread out over minutes and hours, right? And I didn't, I didn't think about that. It was explained to me in that room, and then I thought, so I could shut it off? Like, because how many times have yeah. I thought, oh, I wish this Levomir had an off switch right now. Right, because you could turn it off. She's exactly. so stable and she's 80, but I know she's going to go down because this this Levomir is just going to keep working in the background. Right. And I don't want to feed her three juice boxes just to prevent it, right? I'm not looking yeah. for that. I have become adept at manipulating Arden's blood sugar with basal insulin through her pump. But that's not what we're talking about right now. But we'll get to it. In a, in a different but it kind of leads in it's it, it goes very well with MDI because yeah you can manipulate differently even if you are on MDI mm-hmm. and and so so I guess the first thing I would just very basic ideas you're injecting you need to pick multiple sites keep rotating your sites you can't put insulin in over and over in the same spots correct um, it's it, it's incredibly important because you your your spot your spots will become saturated. You can actually what do they call that when that when you can actually see like bumps under this under your skin from yeah insulin? it's it's really a, a either a scar tissue development or potentially fatty tissue um, under the skin that that um, lipo hypertrophy hey. there are big you know fancy words for it but really it's just when you inject in the same place over and over and over and over again, you're damaging the underlying skin tissue. Um, and it can lead to, like I said, either scar tissue or fatty deposits. And unfortunately, then the absorption in those areas is quite variable, right. and quite I, variable, if anything at all. And you could lose your favorite place and never be able to use it again. Exactly. Right. So exactly. when your doctor or your nurse practitioner tries to scare you with whatever Jen, whatever Jenny just said there, lipo, <laughs> something like that, just think to myself, just think to yourself, well, that sounds scary. What she meant was rotate your sights. Rotate your sights. And there, you know, there's so many places on the body to use. In the backs of the arms, the lower back, the upper butt, the legs, the tum- the tummy, the sides of your tummy. I mean, you've got a lot of places to use. So um, I think with little kids, um, that's always a it's it's a question with parents, you know, um, mainly because little kids are they're so little. I mean, Arden was two, right? So it's it's like it's finding the place on such a little body. Right. And uh, and let me veer off for a second to say something that I think people will find valuable, especially parents. I did some quick math. And in the time between Arden being diagnosed um, just after her second birthday, and when we got her on an Omnipod when she was about four and a half, um, I think we injected or, you know, or stuck her fingers a combination of 10 to 15,000 times in those years, right? A, A lot. And every time broke my heart in a way that I find difficult to put into words. And years and years later, we had been on the Omnipod for years before we ever ran into a situation where I thought I should inject here just to see if my sight is bad. Right. So we had had, uh, we were on a, just a really great run with, with insulin pump sites. But one day, a number of years after we switched from, from MDI, I said to Arden, Hey, I'm not sure if this site's bad and I don't want to change the pump if I don't have to. So I'm going to inject some insulin. If it starts going down right away, I'm going to say the pump's site's bad. And if it doesn't, then you're just resistant for some reason. We're going to give you more insulin. So I put her up on the counter. There she is. You know, she's like six, seven years old. Right. And I pull out the insulin and she's just going along. And I bring out the syringe and she says, what is that? And I was like, it's a syringe. It's a needle. I'm going to put the insulin in it. And then she goes, and then what? 
And I was like, well, I was thinking of injecting it. And she was like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. Like, really? Like, what are you doing? I'm not getting a needle. That's not something I do. And I was like, do you not remember these? No idea. No recollection of ever getting a shot ever. So I know it breaks your heart as a parent, but I don't want to say kids are resilient, but time has a way of, you know, blurring the past. So yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, And that's, you know, even pump sites then, you know, same thing with rotation. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. they all need to be rotated. And that becomes the I think as an as an Omnipod plus, um, there are so many more places that you can put that pod mm-hmm. um, and, and easier, especially from the kid standpoint or anybody who has dexterity issues or whatnot, um, you know, because so. the, there's no tubing. There's no tubing and you can pop it on and it's even easier than an injection. Honestly, I've so. seen yeah, I've seen people put them backs of arms. Um, yeah. uh, Arden wears hers you know, the left or the right of her navel on her stomach. Yep. And you can even, and, and she wears them on her thighs. You can even rotate within a rotation. Yes. So you could put it on your stomach um, cannula facing your belly button. And then the and next then, day, turn it and, you know, put it the other yep. way. Like you can, if, if you have four spots, you have 20. You, you, you know what I mean? Because you can just kind of start moving around a, a little bit. Uh, grown yep. Grown women who wear them, um, on their breasts, like yes. that one, like I show that every once in a while, somebody will kind of like pull their shirt down online. I said this to Arden, Arden's like, I'm never doing that. And I was yeah. like, okay. yeah, I've not tried that <laughs> myself. I, although, you know, the skier, is it Chris Freeman? I was going to bring Chris up. Yeah. He wears, he wears on it pec. on his chest. Yeah. And I know he also wears it on like his upper back. Mm-hmm. And I've seen people on many of the, like the Facebook diabetes groups and whatnot, the places that I mean, people wear them on their calf. I've seen people wearing them on their forearm. Mm-hmm. Now, although not approved sites, again, this is where your diabetes will vary, yep. and you figure out what works for you. Um, but you know, yeah. And so. for people who don't know, Chris is a four-time Olympian and a cross-country skier, and there is a picture that he shared years ago that is to this date the most popular thing I've ever put on my website. So ladies, you might want to look at why you're clicking on things, but it's Chris without his shirt on. And he uh, he has no body fat to speak no. of. And Which is ha- the reason he wears it yeah. where he does. And, and my point is he's still pumping and using a Dexcom. And, yes. and so if someone tells you, you're too skinny for this, or I, I've heard it both ways. It's so funny. Oh, you're too, your kid's too chubby for that pump. Your kid's too skinny for that pump. I, there have been, I've heard a million different excuses, but okay. So MDI, yeah. so rotate our sites. What are other good practices around MDI? Other really good practices, make sure you are changing the syringe. If you're using a pen. Really, really important. A syringe itself, as well as the pen needle caps. Okay. In fact, one of a very it's a very common practice for people to do is reuse the pen cap. And by reusing, they actually store the insulin pen with the needle cap screwed onto the pen. Mm-hmm. Really not a good idea. Um, it can introduce air into the pen um, and it it can change the way that the pen dialing can actually dose the insulin. So if you are going to reuse the needle cap, I don't recommend doing it, but if you are going to do it, (laughs) take the needle cap off in between those uses. Always make sure that you're wiping the top of the needle, um, or the, the, the insulin pen itself, you know, with an alcohol swab, just cleanliness. Um, 
those are kind of the basics. Okay. Well, what about, and, and I realized to go back for a second, you were starting by saying, don't reuse a syringe, which never in my wildest dreams even occurred to me, but you're telling me people do that too. People do that. Okay. Absolutely. And I, you know, having worked with people across the spectrum of economic setting, mm-hmm. Just like insulin is expensive. I mean, even though a box of syringes is not expensive, even off of the shelf, it's not expensive without a prescription. Again, it may be something that people are reusing because it's an expense that they could decrease somewhere. Right. You know, so if you, if you can avoid that, please do. Um, so I have a question and here's a good place to put it. I'm probably going to bring it up again when we talk about pumping. So the quickest story would be that, one day I took off Arden's pump and I saw a little redness under where the adhesive was. And I was quite literally standing in my house, rubbing my hands together, thinking, because I was scared. Oh my God, is she allergic to this adhesive and we can't pump anymore? And like my brain was racing and I'm rubbing my hands together and rubbing my hands together. And as I was doing it, I thought, why are my hands so dry? And then I realized I'm constantly touching alcohol. Yeah, And so I do a little research and I find out that in Europe, it is not common practice to clean anything, a site with alcohol. And I was like, huh. So I stopped doing that and Arden's never had that problem again. And my hands don't crack as much in the wintertime. And so is that a lawsuit decision? Like, do you say to somebody, clean this with alcohol first? Because every once in a while, someone's going to get an infection? Or why do we teach it and some other places don't? Alcohol itself is not a, I guess the best thing that that I can call it in layman's terms, it's a degreaser. It literally wipes clean that area of any grease, any, any skin, moisture, mm-hmm. any lotions, anything that could be on there. It's, it's not antibacterial. Okay. It, it it's wiping the area clean, sure. Right. But the real reason for cleaning the site is just to make sure that you've you've taken care of anything that could be there. And as far as adhesive component, it's very likely, of course, that the adhesive isn't going to stick as well if if you've got body lotion on it, or if you haven't taken a bath in two days and you're putting it on your skin and your skin has done its normal thing and you've got oily skin. So the adhesive isn't really going to stick as well. What do I tell people? Um, I also do not use alcohol. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, a CDE (laughs) that doesn't use alcohol swabs. (laughs) But I do, of course, have a clean site. Um, And by clean site, I make sure that I wash the area, Mm -hmm. soap and water, make sure that it's clean, dry it. And that's what I, you know, apply on top of then. Um, you're entirely a hundred percent right. Alcohol is, it will dehydrate the skin and used over and over and over, especially for kiddos, Mm -hmm. um, little kiddos who have very sensitive skin to begin with. You're just asking for more. Um, I mean, there are skin barriers if you do truly have a, you know, a a site problem. But yeah, even for injections, though, making sure that the injection site is just clean. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously, if your kid's been outside rolling in the mud or in the sandbox or doing whatever they've been doing in the rain puddle, 
clean the site off yeah. before you inject and, into and it. And we do but. we do the same thing. I use warm, warm water, um, a yeah. clean towel, a clean towel to dry it, yeah. let it air dry, something like that. And it goes on. You know, ch- schedule your pod change around your shower. shower. You know, get out of your shower, pod change. You, uh, you know, sometimes, you know, I, I see some people like – they call them naked showers where they, they change all their gear. They take it off before they jump in. They're free. They're free right? for a couple yeah. minutes and they jump out and then they do it then. There's a bunch of different ways to do it. But I think the important thing here is to use your common sense, right? Like to, and that's all I did that day. I thought I'm drying her skin out and then throwing this adhesive on top of her. No wonder there's a reaction here. Absolutely. Um, there is a wonderful post on my blog about how to treat real severe um, adhesive allergies. It is is one of the most popular posts over the last five years, and I'll link it in this um, so that people oh, can great. find it. It was written by a mom who devised a, a infallible plan. And when you see the pictures of the reaction her poor kid was having, it was an all over body reaction, and she figured out a way for it not to happen and him to keep oh. using this stuff. So um, awesome. that was really good. I remember the first time. Arden was in like a thin pair of like yoga pants as like a four-year-old and uh, or a three-year-old or a four-year-old. And I wanted to give her a shot in her leg, but we were out and I just was like, I'm just going to jab the needle right through the pants. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And that's when I was like, okay, maybe all these rules aren't that important. And, and, you know, and so she was like, oh my God, what are you doing? And I was like, no, it's fine. I brought it up in, in, you know, now I say I've done that in the past and she was mortified. She's like, why would you? I was like, listen, we were in the mall, <laughs> you know, like, like, what do you want me to do? Because I, I and here's something I really believe. And I think this is a great place to bring it up. I don't think you should hide when you give yourself injections. No, I, think, I agree. I think that not just not hiding, but why in a public place would you go to what is arguably the dirtiest, dirtiest. room, the yes. bathroom, to right. open up a hole into your body? Absolutely. Kind of goes along with nursing for women. Why should you have to go to the bathroom to nurse when it's the same thing? It's the comfort level of other people. It's not your comfort level that you're worried about. The Dexcom G6 CGM is now FDA permitted for zero finger sticks. That's right. The continuous glucose monitor that Arden has been using forever does not require calibration from a blood glucose meter any longer. But do you know what it does do? It allows you to see your blood sugar speed and direction. Are you rising at two points a minute? Falling at three points a minute? The Dexcom CGM will let you know with customizable alerts. And if you're the caregiver or someone who loves someone with type 1 diabetes and you'd like to be able to see their blood sugar when they're not with you, that's possible too. Because Dexcom has a share and follow feature that is available for Apple and Android. My daughter's at school right now. We just gave her insulin for her lunch and I can see her blood sugar. Her blood sugar started to creep up on us a little bit. So I got an alert, and we added some insulin, stopping a rise. The Dexcom G6 features an applicator that is virtually painless. My daughter says she can't feel it at all, and it's completely automatic. One button push, and the sensor bed has been applied. You snap in the transmitter, and you're on your way. You can see your blood sugars on your Apple Watch or other smartwatches, on your iPhone, on your Android phone. You can share it with anyone in the world, anywhere. I can tell you without hesitation that the Dexcom Continuous Glucose Monitor 
is without a doubt one of the main reasons why we've been able to keep my daughter's A1C between 5.2 and 6.2 for five continuous years. To find out more, go to Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox or the links in your podcast player show notes or at juiceboxpodcast.com. It's going to be the best decision that you ever made. In 2008, we made the decision to get my then four-year-old daughter an insulin pump. It's a decision that I wish we would have made years sooner. After seeing everything that was available, we easily settled on the Omnipod. Now that was back again in 2008. Today, Arden is about to turn 15 years old, and she has been wearing an Omnipod every day since then. Every day. And as I mentioned in the other ad, Arden's A1C has been between 5.2 and 6.2 for five solid years. How do we do that? Well, we start by seeing an insulin pump as more than just a way to not have to take shots. The Omnipod gives you the ability to do temporary basal rates. That's increases or decreases in your background insulin. Extended boluses, which will help you spread out your insulin over the life of a meal. And so much more. The Omnipod has no tubing at all. The pod is self-contained, you wear it on your body, and you control it with a wireless controller. So there's no tubes running through your clothing and no pump that you have to jam in your bra or down your pants or wherever people have to put their pumps. That just doesn't exist with the Omnipod. What does exist is the ability to swim while you're getting your insulin, bathe while you're getting your insulin, and live life untethered. The Omnipod even features self-insertion. Just push a button. Now, I want you to go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. And when you get there, you'll get a free, no obligation demonstration pod sent directly to your house. Check it out and see what you think for yourself. It's the comfort level of other people. It's not your comfort level that you're worried about. Exactly. And so let me tell you the briefest story. I'm in a restaurant one day with my kids. And we're leaving that day, and there's this little girl, seriously, a little girl injecting at her table. And I stopped at the table, none of my business, and I said, excuse me, um, I just wanted to, may I say something? And they looked up at me in horror, I realize now, and I said, my daughter has type 1 diabetes too, and I wanted to say good for you for injecting here at the table. There's no reason for you to hide. You're doing a great job. Little girl, right? Last year... I got to do the math. Last year, seven years later, I had to make a phone call about jury duty. And I said, look, I would like to skip jury duty because I'm the sole caregiver for my daughter. I help her make her insulin decisions. And if you uh, listen, if you don't let me be on my phone while I'm there, I don't care. But if you don't want me on my phone, I need to ask to skip. Right. Uh, And the woman says, oh, I completely understand. My daughter has type 1 diabetes too. And I gave her my name. And she says, is your daughter's name Arden? And I was freaked out. And I thought, yeah, why? And she goes, I read your blog. And I said, great. She goes, actually, you're going to find this strange. You've been a real help to my daughter through her life. And I said, why? And she said, because you bumped into us in a restaurant the week she was was diagnosed. And you told her she was doing a good job and she shouldn't hide. And she's like, and it's been such a big deal in her life. And I was like, wow, that Aww. is so touching. I'm going to get out of jury duty, right? And uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. But but absolute 100% honest story. Like don't yep. don't hide. You, you yep. know, and because Jenny's right, it is for other people. 
it's not for you. And it quietly, you'll, you're, you feel shame. Like, it, and it, it right. quietly will make you feel shameful about what you're doing. And you, sh- you should not be ashamed of, of no. having type one. Not at all. It's just like, you know, th- I mean, everybody wears it. I mean, it kind of goes along with everybody wears their pump differently. Mm-hmm. And there are a lot of people, especially Omnipod wearers who, um, wear them, you know, only in like unseen locations, man. I like when my pods, they get decorated with stickers and I used to like color them with markers. And now that, now that, you know, we have the 3d printer Mm -hmm. kind of thing, uh, we don't, but, um, I ordered a Wonder Woman 3D print pop. It snaps over goes, top of it. It snaps over the top. It's awesome. I actually let my six-year-old um, pick it out because he was like, wow, all those are cool. You have to get Wonder Woman, Mom. You're a Wonder Woman. I was like, great. I'll I get actually, that one. Yeah. Not, but, mommy was going mean, to get flowers, I, but okay. Probably, <laughs> in fact, one of my favorite places to wear it is on the back of my arm because – Honestly, because it is visible. Yeah. Not like the other places on my body aren't good. It's just I like – to wear it. It's a good spot for visibly, you. Visibly, you know? I, I, I would tell you that Arden has in the past seen other people using insulin pumps, Omnipod, and CGM. And it she's not the kind of person who runs around excited about it, but it has quietly given her a lot of comfort. Yeah. Yeah. It's always fun, too, when you run into di- – I call it diabetes in the wild. Like, you run into somebody at the grocery store who's, like, you know, boldly got their pump, like, yeah. hanging off their pants or, you know, clipped to their jacket or, you know, something like that. Because I, I always reach out. I'm always like, hey, you know, look, you know, pumps. We've all got pumps. And it kind of starts up a conversation. And it's – I don't know. It just – because diabetes is so, like – it's such a silent, unseen mm-hmm. For the most part, it's just a nice way to bring it to a visible and and make it make it normal because yeah. and, and here's why that's important. Um, I interviewed a singer a long time ago, a Broadway singer um, named Kelly. And if you go back and listen to Kelly's episode, which I'll link in the show notes, she hid for a long, long time, and it was not good for her. And when she finally decided not to do that, it was freeing. So I'm saying, don't put yourself in that position to begin with, you know, just be yourself and, and this is who you are. And look, I'm not judging you. If you can't bring yourself to do it in public, I'm not saying you're you're a a bad person. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm saying if you can do it, do it. You you know, I think you'll be happy with what happens. So, um, okay. So what are we not, I haven't, I haven't injected insulin in a really long time. So um, let me tell you one thing that happens to me all the time. Every once in a while, when I have to give a needle, I'm not good at it. Arden that- tells me I'm not good at it. And so <laughs> what, what is like, what should I be doing? Is there a pinch? Is it quick? Is it slow? Like what's the right way to stick that needle in there? Do it. Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously the, the age old recommendation is to pinch up to put the needle in. Um, when I was initially diagnosed 30 years ago, we were told to inject at an angle, almost at like a 45 degree angle. Quite honestly, now the, the recommendation is just like most 90 degree pump sets, Mm -hmm. just straight in, putting it straight in. No angle is needed. Um, a lot of people have questioned too about the needle length and all of the research and studies that have been done regardless of body type and body stop, body size, yeah. even those really, really, really micro looking needle lengths, they give you the same 
the same ability to put the insulin under the skin in the place that it needs to be, which is the sub-Q tissue, right. like the, that kind of fatty layer for absorption. Um, so pinching up the skin, mm-hmm. putting the syringe or the, the, the needle um, that's on the, the pen straight in, 90-degree angle, and then just push the insulin in. That's, Do I have to keep the needle in for a second, or is that a pen thing? That's for the pens, okay. really. Uh, the recommendation is, and it does vary. I've heard people being told that they're supposed to count to 20. I've heard people say that they're supposed to count to five. When I was initially educated, we were told to, to tell people, count to 10. Okay. So that is what I educate with. And it's interesting because if you have ever given a syringe injection versus a pen mm-hmm. injection, you will notice a difference if you pull that pen needle out right after and you don't give that count to 10, you get some of the insulin can leak out. Right. Okay. So that's the reason for that count. And whether it's a basal insulin or your rapid acting insulin or a regular insulin, if it's a pen, you do need to do that count. Okay. All right. Um, let's see. Can you think of anything that I'm not asking you about? Because I'm at a disadvantage when talking about MDI. Um, I mean, the only, I mean, we kind of you know, basal insulin, of course, rapid acting insulin, you know, there are multiple of them on the market. Mm-hmm. Um, there also is still some use of regular insulin, which we called short acting insulin. It had a longer profile of, of working in the body than our rapid acting insulins have. It also didn't work as fast. Okay. Um, so again, this is where figuring out what your needs might be for the most part, the rapid insulins on the market, um, the three age old ones, you know, Humalog, Novolog, Apidra, technically they're all supposed to work right. pretty much the same way. I can tell you my personal N of one is that Humalog and Novolog work pretty much the same for me. Apidra does not. Yeah. I've tried it. It doesn't work the same for me. Um, then there's also, of course, Fiasp, um, which is faster acting insulin aspart, which is just faster acting Novolog insulin. Okay. Um, it does have a faster onset of action and um, has, in my experience, having used it for a bit of time, um, it seemed to have almost a, a more clean finish to working. Um, it was done and it, and that was kind of the end of its action. And then my basil was kind of kicking in and okay. doing what it was supposed to do. But, you know, determining what, again, works for you insurance-wise, many insurance plans have a preferred or a tiered kind of um, both basal and rapid-acting insulin for you to choose um, monetarily. If you can go outside of, you know, tier one or tier two, most insulins are tier two. Um, if you can go outside of that, they'll usually be a tier three and your copay is just going to be more. Okay. Um, but if you prefer one over the other, that might be the course of action you have to do. If you can't, then you're kind of stuck using what the preferred is. Okay. And I'm going to ask you one question and then we're going to switch uh, to another episode yeah. and talk about insulin. So the one thing I've found is that when I talk about pre-bolusing with people and you know, pre-bolusing is a pumping word, it just means putting your insulin in before your food, right? So you can you can pre-inject. You call it whatever you want. Right. But but some but a lot of times what you'll hear from especially parents is I don't want to inject them twice at a meal time. And I say, look, I understand that, but but if you can't be sure of how much insulin how much food the child's gonna eat, you still need to get some moving first. Yeah. So if you're on MDI and you're seeing crazy spikes at your meals, it's because you're not pre-bolusing, I'm guessing. 
um, or a lot of other reasons that you'll hear through the next bunch of episodes. But you're going to have to make that leap in your head. Like, I'm going to, if I can't trust he's going to eat all this or she's going to eat all this, then I need to put some in now and some in later. Right. Please remember that the Juice Box podcast wouldn't be possible without its sponsors. For today's episode, Omnipod and Dexcom. Dexcom, the makers of the G6 continuous glucose monitor. And of course, Omnipod is the tubeless insulin pump that Arden has been wearing for over a decade. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box to get a free no obligation demo of the pump sent right to your house. Or you can go to dexcom.com forward slash juice box to find out more about Arden's CGM. Heck, you could do both. The next episode of my series with Jenny Smith is called All About Insulin, and it's available now at juiceboxpodcast.com or right there in your podcast app. If you're enjoying the podcast, please leave a rating and review on iTunes and take a moment to share the show with someone who you think it can help. Thank you for listening, for being bold with insulin, and for remembering that nothing you hear on the Juicebox podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before making any changes to your healthcare plan.